Hey, welcome everybody. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor here at Faith Church, and we just want to say welcome to all of our guests who are joining us online. Obviously, we recognize that many of our Faith Church family are joining us, but not just that. We know that many of you are possibly first-time guests, and so whoever you are and wherever you're watching, we're just glad that you're tuning in for a great time of worship and also an incredible experience with God's Word. We say it every week here at Faith Church, we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And what we mean by that is that whatever you're going through, whatever your struggle, whatever your challenge, or whatever your opportunity is, if you'll open up your heart and allow Jesus to meet you where you are, it'll be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. And so, listen, before we jump into the message today, I just want to hit just a couple things. First of all, I want to make sure that I give a big shout out to all of our Faith Church staff, our worship team, our volunteers, our production team, because while so many other people can't make it, they have showed up to make sure you still are able to have an incredible church experience at home. So come on, can you show them some love and appreciation? In fact, I would encourage you, maybe if you're connected to some of them on social media, that you would even take a minute to send them a personal shout out of appreciation to make sure that we can still connect as a faith church family and we can still do church together and we can get the gospel out to the world. The second thing I want to talk about is just the financial opportunity that all of you have. And what I mean by that is just because we're not meeting in a building doesn't mean we don't still have bills. I'm sure that many of you are already aware of that, but maybe some of you have assumed that finances has slowed down as far as our responsibility. And I want you to know, especially if Faith Church is your home, that we still have bills, we still have a budget, we still have salaries, we still have missions obligations, and we still have ministry opportunities that are arising every day in our community. And we can only continue to meet that budget and meet those needs because of your generosity. So can I just encourage you to continue to be a financial partner in all of this? You can always give online. You can always give through our text give option. You can always write a check and send it in, whatever's convenient for you. I just want you to know, man, that we can continue to do it because you're generous. And so let's step up. Let's continue to give faithfully, not just our tithe, but even kingdom builders. Again, we stepped into 2020 with this challenge, believing that God called us to do more than we've ever done for the kingdom. And we're taking those opportunities because, again, of your generosity. So let's continue to give. Let's partner together financially, and let's watch God's kingdom advance. Amen? Well, hey, listen, I want to jump in today for the next two weeks, a brand new series I'm calling The New Normal. The New Normal. When I talk about the new normal, let me just open with a story. I remember when Sean and I, we were dating and uh, we were driving down. We, in fact, were headed to a family holiday gathering. We were going from Akron, Ohio, which is in the northern part of the state of Ohio. And we were driving down just over the Ohio border into Kentucky. And so it was almost a straight shot. And it was a, probably about a four and a half hour drive. And while I'm driving at one point, Shauna, she falls asleep. And I'll never forget, I'm driving through Columbus. I remember going into Columbus and you know, I thought I came out and I continued to drive. At that point, I should have been maybe about two hours from our destination. And so I get about what should be an hour away from Kentucky. And all of a sudden, I start to see road signs for Indiana. So I'm like, oh, no, I, I don't even know where it happened. I don't know when it happened. But somewhere along the line, I took a wrong turn. And unfortunately, the same moment I realized that I was lost was about the same moment that Shauna woke up. And she asked, like, she asked this question. She's like, hey, where are we? And I'm like, well, babe, like, I'm, I don't know where we're at exactly, but I'm, I'm seeing Indiana signs instead of Kentucky signs. And I'll never forget the question she looked at me and she asked. She said, how did you get here? 
Now, what I realized in that moment, and unfortunately what I have come to realize many times since, is that getting lost is a funny thing. And what I mean about getting lost is a funny thing is this idea that you don't realize you're getting lost until you're lost. Like it's, it's, it's not like you don't realize it's happening until it's already happened. Like, right? I mean, think about the last time you were driving somewhere and got lost. It's not like, well, I got lost to the last turn because if that's the case, you can just go back there. But all of a sudden you just realize you're in a place that you never intended on being. You're heading in a direction that you never planned on heading. And so I just think about that question. I want you to ask yourself this question. How did I get here? How did I get here? Think about that question. Whoever you are, wherever your life is, whatever you're going through, ask yourself that question because you probably already have. Like, how did I get here? When I say here, I mean, how did you get to the place you're at in life? How did you get where you are financially? Because I know that there's a lot of you who are watching this who are struggling financially, who are struggling to make ends meet. There are a lot of you, I know statistics tell us, who are watching this, who are upside down, who are overwhelmed with debt. How did you get there? Right? I mean, you came into this world, you didn't own anything, but you didn't owe anybody anything. And at some point when you turn 18, that's when you can get credit. You probably got maybe a loan and maybe got your first credit card and but you could handle it. It wasn't too much. And maybe you got a second credit card and a third credit card. And like you, you could handle those payments. But next thing you know, here you are down the road and, and you're struggling to make ends meet and you're living in financial stress because of the debt you're carrying. Like, how did I get here? Like sometimes we wake up and we look at the situation we're in and we ask the question, how did I get here? How did you get where you are? How did I get here relationally? How did I get here in my marriage? Right? Some of you who are watching this, you are in the middle of a, of a really bad marriage or you're on the backside of a marriage and you're already in divorce and you're wondering, like you're asking yourself the question, how did I get here? Like what started as a love story, right? You can go back to the time that, that you remember standing at the altar in front of a preacher with a whole bunch of friends and family members there and you can remember standing in front of your partner, looking him in the eyes, feeling like, man, I'm in love with this person, committing to spend the rest of your life with them. And now here you are, and like you can't bear the thought of living another minute with them. Again, you can just ask the question, like, how, do, how did I get here? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't the last fight. It wasn't the first fight. Like, somewhere along the road, like you, through a series of decisions, how did you get here? For some of us, maybe like we're wrestling with an addiction, and maybe it's a drug addiction or a porn addiction. And again, like, how did I, how did I get here? You didn't start off addicted, and it wasn't the first hit, the first toke, the first pill, the first click. But here you are and like you wake up every day overwhelmed and you wake up every day shackled by this addiction and is driving your life. And you ask the question, how, how did I get here? Maybe you started in school and you pushed through high school and you got great grades and you graduated at the top of your class and you got into the school of your choice and you decided up front like, hey, I'm going to make it. And you got to school and now maybe here you are and you have failed out or you're failing out or you're on probation. Like, man, how, how did I get here? Because it wasn't, it wasn't the first class you missed. It wasn't the first bad grade. But somewhere along the line, you're looking around and you're asking yourself the question like, how, how did I get here? How did we get here? How did I get here with my physique, with my physical fitness, with my weight, right? Like everybody, everybody hits that place where, right, you pack on the freshman 15, but sometimes we just keep going. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in life at some point stepping on a scale and there's a number screaming at us that's way bigger than we ever thought, which is why we didn't want to stand on the scale in the first place. 
and we ask ourselves a question like, how, how did I get here? And so here's what we're going to wrestle through today through this idea is as you ask yourself about your marriage and about your relationship, maybe you got some family conflict. And it started off as just a little argument. It started off as just a disagreement. But now here you are down the road and like there are, there are two teams that are picked sides and one side of the family can't stand the other side. And like you don't get together anymore for family holidays. And the thought of you ever seeing them again, like you don't care if that ever happens. And again, you look like, how, how did I get here? And so here's what I want to talk about today is because I think for many of us, we're living with hurts and habits in hard situations that unfortunately have become our new normal. Our new normal. When I say our new normal, here's a definition for this idea in this series, the new normal. Here's what a new, a new normal means. The new normal is what, replaces, uh, is what replaces the expected or the usual after an event occurs. Let me say it again. So the new normal is what replaces the expected or the usual after an event occurs. What that means is, is that like you're living at this one level of life, you are existing at this one level of life, and then through an event or through a series of events, now you're forced or you choose to live at this whole different level, and now this becomes your new normal. And there's lots of examples of this. Um, for example, probably the place where this cultural catchphrase, the new normal, come on, everybody say that, the new normal, the place that this is used the most is unfortunately in death. A lot of times when somebody loses a loved one, when they lose their spouse or they lose a sibling, they're forced to live with the new normal, right? They're used to waking up every day and their partner that they've been married to for 50 years is by their side and now death has taken them and they're not coming home and they have to get used to, how do you, how do you live life without the person you've lived life with? And all of a sudden it just becomes a new normal. So because of the event of death, you have a new normal. There's some other new normals that a lot of us are familiar with. Think about this. Again, when, when an event happens or a series of events and it takes us to a new way of living, a new normal, uh, one is like when you get married. Come on. When you get married, you hit a whole new normal. You got a new normal in the bed. You got a new normal in the bathroom. You got a new normal with the toothpaste. You got a new normal with the toilet seat, right? In the bed, you got to share the bed now. You got to share the sheets. You're in a tug of war. You're struggling with who puts, the to who puts the cap on the toothpaste. You're struggling with the, the new normal of who puts the toilet seat up or down. Sometimes we find the new normal when we have a kid, right? Every one of you who are watching this, who either have young kids or you had young kids, right? You remember that new normal because once you have kids, I'm just telling you, there are some things that change overnight. All of a sudden, your money's gone, your dating life is gone, and your sleeping habits are gone. Why? Because all of a sudden, the event of having a child takes you to a whole new normal. And so I want you to think about this for a minute, that sometimes a new normal is unavoidable, right? Sometimes we face an event, and living that new normal is unavoidable. Sometimes when death comes, you don't choose death. So that new normal is unavoidable. If you want a kid, if you want to get married, right, you have to embrace that new normal. So sometimes those new normals are unavoidable. What I want to talk about for a few minutes today is while some new normals are unavoidable, there are other new normals that should be unacceptable. Like unacceptable, like there are things like I've talked about 
where we're living in debt or we're living in a dead marriage or, or we have broken relationships with our kids or our siblings or our, our family members or, or we're living in an unhealthy lifestyle or, or we're not walking out our call and our purpose with God or we're struggling in our relationship with Jesus. Like At some point, like we've just accepted it and it's become our new normal. And I just want you to know something today that sometimes our new normal should never be viewed as normal. And so I want us to dig in. I want us today to look at a conversation uh, that happened with a guy by the name of Matthew. Now, probably some of you are familiar with Matthew. Matthew was one of the 12 original disciples. He was one of the guys who eventually became an apostle of Jesus. And the story we're going to look at today and also week two for this series, The New Normal, we're going to look at the same section of Scripture, and it's where Matthew gets called to follow Jesus. And before we read it, I just want to tell you at this point in Matthew's life, he already has a full-time job. He's already well advanced in life. He's already comfortable in his career. And Jesus is walking down the road, sees Matthew, and invites him to leave his previous career to find a whole new normal. And so I want us to dig in. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, check this out. It says this. If you're you're at home, I want you to read this out loud. Come on, let's do this together as a church the same way as we do when we're here. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he he saw a man named Matthew sitting, read this, at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. So what we find in this story right away is that this guy, Matthew, who eventually becomes a disciple of Jesus, we find that his current career is that he's a tax collector. Now, What's crazy, and if you read the New Testament, you'll find this, that tax collectors were considered absolutely vile and evil to Jews in the first century. Like, in fact, they were were given their own category of sin. They were given their own category of evil. A lot of times we find in the Gospels where tax collectors are referred to that kind of they're known like the categories are sinners and tax collectors. Like there's everyday sinners, and then there's like the worst of the worst, tax collectors. Come on, when I talk about categories of sin, you know what I'm talking about. We Sometimes as church people, we have categories where we put certain people or certain actions like as worst categories, like we're okay with our gluttony, but you better not drink. Come on, I'm okay with my gossip, but you better not tell any dirty jokes. It's, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, we have categories of sin. So first century Jews put tax tax collectors in the lowest category as the worst kind of evil. And so we find Matthew's a tax collector. You say, well, like what's, like nobody likes paying taxes, but what's the big deal about being a tax collector? Well, the big deal about being a tax collector is ultimately Matthew chose the greatest betrayal against his countrymen, the Jews. See, ultimately, the way the Roman Empire worked was just like every other major government. They collected taxes. That's how they financed their kingdom. That's how they financed their armies and all the things they did. However, the way the Roman Empire worked, their tax collecting was this, is that they would allow individuals within certain regions or towns to bid for the right to own a tax collecting booth. And they would put these booths at at, uh, seaports and at main thoroughfares and at markets that anybody who is transporting goods or is crossing by, they would have to pay a tax. And so basically somebody from within that region would bid for the right to collect taxes on behalf of Rome. And not only would they collect taxes on behalf of Rome, then they would add some percentage points on top so they could make a profit on it. 
So basically what I'm telling you is that Matthew, even though he was Jewish, he was collecting taxes on behalf of the Roman Empire from his fellow Jews, uh, Jewish nation brothers and sisters, and then he was adding a tax on top. Crazy. Like basically I'm telling you that he picked Rome over home. That he decided because the Jews were, you got to know Jewish history a little bit. What makes it even worse is that Jews had a long history of finding themselves being under subjection of other empires or being slaves to other nations. You can go all the way back to Egypt, uh, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and now they're underneath Roman occupation. And basically, here's Matthew, one of their fellow countrymen, who's picking the enemy's side. And not just picking the enemy's side and, and, and making sure that they pay their taxes, but he's, char- he's, ma- he's getting rich on the back of that. I mean, it's, it's like this guy's the worst kind of evil. Here's, let me give you a couple examples of what this looks like in today. Everybody remembers, remember the kid in school that reminded the teacher at the end of class, hey, teacher, don't forget the homework. Like, that's Matthew. Like, you thought you were going to slide out without any homework, and there's that one kid that always reminds the teacher, and you're like... And all of a sudden, every kid in the class hates that kid because he's picked the teacher's side over the student's side. Or let me give you another one. Like, imagine you're driving down the road and maybe you're running a couple clicks over the speed limit and like, no big deal, but all of a sudden you look up and right in your rear view, you see the red and blue, whoop, whoop, like that noise that makes your heart drop and your heart, right, your, your blood pressure go up. But imagine you're speeding and a, and a police officer pulls you over and you're sure you're going to get a ticket. But all of a sudden, the person who gets out of the police cruiser is a brother or a cousin like, or a very close friend. And you think, hey, man, I'm, I'm golden. This guy's going to let me off because, you know, he's one of mine. But imagine instead of this guy letting you off, instead of your brother letting you off the hook, he not only makes sure you get a speeding fine, but he tacks on like he tacks on a couple extra tickets because you got a tail light out and your windows are too tinted. And then he tacks on a fee on top of it for his own time. You think, what? That's exactly, exactly what Matthew's doing. Like this guy has betrayed his own country, his own countrymen, his own friends, in his own family to be a tax collector. And here's the question I want to ask. I want you to wrestle with for a second with me as we go through this is how did Matthew, how did Matthew get here? How did he get him in the place in life where he was hated by his friends, hated by his family and hated by his countrymen? How did he end up in this place as a tax collector? Cause like we know this, he wasn't born a tax collector. He made the choice to be a tax collector. Like, and how, how did he end up here? And you got to believe, again, it wasn't just one decision that got him to this place. It was, it was a series of events that led him to his new normal. Like, in some place in life, he's like, hey, being a tax collector isn't so bad. Even though everybody knew it was wrong, even though everybody treated him as if it was wrong, somehow, Matthew was okay. It was just his new normal. And as you follow, like, how did he get it? Because, again, he wasn't born that way. It was a choice. At some point, he had to start entertaining the idea. I wonder what it's like to be a tax collector. And at some point, he had to make a decision to pursue being a tax collector. And then he had to go to the Roman Empire, and he had to bid on the right to be a tax collector. And then when he won the bid, he had to accept the right. 
and the obligation to be a tax collector. And then as he's collecting taxes, he had to continue to justify being a tax collector. And then he had to just get comfortable with it. So what's crazy is you ask the question, like, how did he get here? How did Matthew end up in his new normal? How did he get here? And ultimately, Matthew ended up in his new normal the same way some of you ended up in your new normal and the same way sometimes I end up in my new normal, that what should be unacceptable, we just accept it as the new normal. And so I want to give you three things that I think we wrestle with that ultimately lead us to a new normal that we should avoid instead of accept. And three things, it's compromise, carelessness, and complacency. So I'm going to give them to you one at a time if you're taking notes. Number one, number one, new normals come by compromise. That we find ourselves in a new season of life and one that we shouldn't be okay with, we shouldn't accept. But we find ourselves there because we made compromises. When I say a compromise, what I mean is that, that oftentimes we lower our standards. Like we keep settling for things that we normally wouldn't settle for. We keep making exceptions for decisions that normally wouldn't accept. And, and while oftentimes it feels like it's really no big deal, I want you to know that small compromises are always a big deal because they always lead somewhere. And so if you're in the place and you, you're asking the question like, hey, how, how did I get here in my marriage? How did I get here in my business? How did I get here in my, in my health? How did I get here with my family? Maybe, just maybe, you got there by compromise. Because, you know, there's a lot of people who find themselves in back rooms with conversations with people of the opposite sex at work. And while it starts out as innocent, like, you know, you shouldn't be there. You know, you probably shouldn't text them. You know, you shouldn't be in a car alone with them. But like, you know, you shouldn't meet them for lunch. But like, you just make those small compromises because at the beginning, you never think it's going to end up where it ends up. But those small compromises take you down a road and lead you to a place where you end up asking the question, how did I get here? Some of you in business, right, you made, you made some ethical compromises in your contracts or your business deals and like you justified it because everybody does it or you needed a few extra dollars and it's no big deal. And, but here you are and you've lost your license and you've lost your career and you're asking yourself the question like, hey, how, how did I get here? You know, I'm, I'm just telling you, it's, it's, through those, it's through those compromises. Sometimes we, we overspend, we we spend more than we make. We live above our means, and here we are swimming in debt. And again, it's just, it's just those compromises. And so here's a question I want you to ask yourself about maybe how you got here or maybe how to keep you from getting to a place where you never want to end up. Question number one is, are you aware where your compromises are taking you? Like, I know it just feels like a small compromise, and it doesn't seem like a big deal, but where is that going to end up if it keeps on playing out? Inevitably, it's going to lead you to a place where you end up asking the question, how did I get here? Second thing I want to give you real quick is that new normals come by carelessness. New normals come by carelessness. When I say carelessness, I mean it's this idea where you just have, you just have no concern. Like your, your deci the decisions you make in life are like, eh, whatever. Like it's, it's no big deal. It's no big deal if I behave this way. It's no big deal if I treat my wife this way. It's no big deal if I don't have a relationship with my kids. Like, it's just no big deal. Like, this careless attitude. And we have seen carelessness show up in these last few weeks during the corona outbreak in a stupid, crazy way. In fact, I'm sure some of you guys have seen some of these things on the news. There's the, there's the corona challenge. 
I don't know if you've seen this on social media. If you haven't seen it, don't look for it. And if you find it for the love of Jesus, don't do it. But the Corona challenge is, is this. People are, are going to public places and they're filming themselves on camera licking public things. Like, for example, there's two that I've seen that are huge. They're viral. One is a guy goes into, um, goes into a store and he goes to uh, like the, uh, the deodorant aisle and he holds his camera up and he sticks his tongue out and he licks down about 20 containers of antiperspirant. And it's like, what are you thinking? There's another one of a girl on a public airplane licking a toilet seat. And that's like, like again, man, it's this idea like, ah, whatever, it's no big deal. Where it has shown up the most is in this last, in just this last week is probably many of you have seen it that in spite of our government's call for social distancing and to make sure we're not putting ourselves in compromising positions and being vulnerable in close quarters, trying to limit the spread of the COVID virus. What we found is this, this last week is the Gen Zers absolutely ignored it and tens of thousands of them went to the beach anyways, right? You saw the videos of them partying and drinking and swimming and they're out in the oceans and like, it's crazy. And so a reporter, several reporters went down to interview these young college students in the midst of this corona outbreak, in the midst of them ignoring all the mandates to ask them like, hey, why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself in jeopardy? And here's what one guy said that went viral. When a microphone was stuck on his face, why, he decided, why did he decide to party among tens of thousands of his peers in the middle of all this? He said this. He said, if I get corona, I get corona. I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. Now, I'm just telling you, that's a, hard call, that's a hardcore party right there. I mean, think about it. This guy, again, it's this careless attitude. Like, you know, if I get sick, oh, well. If I get somebody else sick, who cares? I mean, really what this guy's saying is that his partying was more important than his life, potentially. Or his partying was more important, his spring break was more important than other people's lives. Now, that's careless. And you might say, Pastor, I, I never live that way. But again, I think a lot of times we don't understand the weight of our decisions. Sometimes we minimize. We minimize how big our decisions are and how significant they are. And so here's the question I want you to wrestle through is, do you care where your decisions are taking you? Like as you make decisions about your health and about your business and about your relationship with God and about your fight, do you care? Do you care that it's leading you down a path that you probably don't want to go on? Do you care that it's taking you to a destination that you're probably one day going to regret? Again, as long as you're making careless decisions, you are one day inevitably going to wake up and you're going to look around and you're going to ask this question, how, how did I get here? How did my marriage get here? How did my finances get in, this, get in this state? How did my career end up in this place? And the third one, real quick, the third one is not just compromises, not just carelessness, but new normals come by complacency. Complacency is just when you just, ex you just accept where you are, like, well, this is just how it's going to be. Like, I, I guess this is just what my relationship with my kids are going to be like. Like, this is, this is just what my finances are going to be like. And I'm just telling you, I think at some point, like, we got we to gotta, we gotta quit settling for anything less than our very best. We got to say no to the status quo. We got to fight 
for what's right. What I want to tell you is, listen to me, if your life, your family, your career, your finances, your relationship with God, your plan, your purpose, your hopes, your dreams, if you're not where you want to be and not where God wants you to be, at some point you got to fight for your family, you got to fight for your career, you got to fight for your calling, you got to fight for your relationship with God, you got to fight for those things and we got to stop living complacent and start living aggressive, stop accepting the new normal that's not normal and start chasing after the normal that Jesus died for us to have and so here's the question are you willing to settle for where your decisions are taking you again if you're kind of living like you know oh well it's no big deal if you just kind of have settled in like do you care where those where those decisions are going to lead you one day again where you're stuck and i've been stuck asking that question how how did i get here Again, when you look at Matthew, this is exactly, this is exactly what Matthew did. When you ask the question, Matthew, how did Matthew get there? How did Matthew end up in a place where he chose a career, why he was hated by everybody, why he was considered to be the worst of sinners, why he was an outcast in society? Like, how did he get there? You know how he got there? Through compromise, carelessness, and complacency. He compromised his morality for money. He was willing to sell out his ethics to get a dime in his pocket. He was, he was careless in his decisions. Like maybe at some point he didn't realize how significant his decisions were. Maybe he excused it like, well, Rome's going to be Rome. Maybe he justified, uh, justified the, the, end, the end by the means. Like, hey, it's just, you know, it's no big deal. At the end of the day, I think Matthew ended up where he ended up because he was just complacent. In fact, you find this one word in this story that we read out of one verse that when, when Jesus walked up on Matthew, again, the story tells us that they found Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. It was his. He had been in the game so long. He wasn't an employee anymore. He was an employer. Like that was his booth. He had been in it so long. And the Bible says he'd been in so long that he was sitting there. I imagine when he first, he probably first got in the game that he would show up nervous, like looking around, wonder who would see him, wondered if a family member would would see him collecting taxes and he would be embarrassed or ashamed. But he's been in this thing so long that he's just sitting down comfortable. And maybe like he's in this place. And again, you ask like, how did he get here? He got here through, he got here through compromise. He got here through carelessness and he got here through complacency. And as you look around at your life and you ask the question, like, how did I get here? How did my family get here? How did my home get here? How did my career end up in this place? How did I get off course in my relationship with God? Like, as you look around, some of you have just accepted it. Like, you're just okay. And I'm just telling you, listen, as your pastor, I'm telling you, listen to me. Don't okay what's not okay. Listen, if you're taking notes, you should never settle for abnormal as our new normal. Sometimes, again, I said it earlier, like sometimes the new normal is unavoidable, but sometimes the the new normal should be unacceptable. And some of you have accepted your new normal, like you're okay with where you're at in life and you're okay with the chaos and you're okay with the hurts and the habits and the heartache. And I'm just telling you, Jesus isn't okay. And he died to bring you into something greater. If you're waking up every day in addiction and every day in bondage, and you're like, hey, now this is just where I'm at and this is my new normal. I want you to know that Jesus came. And he said in Luke chapter four, he said he came to set at liberty 
those who are captive. And so if you're bound up, you don't have to make being bound your new normal. Your new normal can be freedom. If you're walking around in, in, in chaos and condemnation, you're like, hey, this is, this is just my new normal. Listen, Jesus came to make sure you could walk in a place where you're in a relationship with him, where you are free of sin, where you're a child of God. Listen to me, don't accept the new normal that you've talked yourself into. Listen, some of the new normal we're buying is abnormal. From God's point of view, he died for us to have so much more. He paid the price for us to have eternal life. That's not quantity of days. That's a quality of life. Jesus came to give us a new normal. Next week, I'm going to talk about the new normal Jesus came for us to have. But this week, I want to challenge you. Some of you, again, have embraced and accepted and okayed a new normal that's not normal. And you're okay that your family's broken and you're okay that your marriage is on the brink of divorce and you're okay that you're living penny to penny, paycheck to paycheck, and, and you're okay that you're kicked out of school and, and you're okay that you're addicted. And it's just like, maybe you're not okay, but you're like, I don't know the way out, so it just is what it is. And I just want you to know that there's a new normal and that's not it. Again, as, you, as we wrestle through this idea, like how did we get here? I did some math. Think about this for a second. You know, there's 360 degrees in a full circle. So if we go all the way around this room, all the way around this room, that's 360 degrees. In fact, from arm to arm, a half of a circle is 180 degrees. A quarter of a circle is 90 degrees. And so think about this. Watch my arms. This is 90 degrees. About this right here is 45 degrees. About this right here is maybe 10 degrees. And as you get real close, this is probably about two degrees. So if my destination was from here to right where you are, two degrees would take me a little bit off path. And the longer I walk on that path, the further I'm going to get off my target. Again, you think two degrees is no big deal. Some of you have been walking in the wrong direction, and it didn't seem like much. It was just small compromises. It was just being complacent in small things. But when you live and you walk on that path and you drive on that road long enough, it will inevitably lead you to a place where you ask the question, how did I get here? In fact, I ran some numbers. It's kind of interesting. Two degrees, if you go two degrees off for one foot, you're only off four-tenths of an inch. That's just a tiny amount. But if you keep going off the wrong, the wrong trajectory at two degrees, if you go out 100 yards, you're going to be off your destination by 10 feet. If you go out a mile, you'll be off your destination by 200 feet. From San Francisco to LAX, if you were to travel two degrees off there, you'd be off by 12 miles, which means if you left LAX on your way to San Francisco and you missed the trajectory by just two degrees, you would miss the airport by 12 miles. And the craziest one, think about this. If you were to travel around the world, leave LAX and travel all the way around the globe, back to LAX, but you did it and you missed the trajectory and you were only off two degrees, just a small, just a small compromise, just a small bit of carelessness. You would miss your destination from LAX to LAX. You would miss it by almost 800 miles and end up in Eugene, Oregon. And let me tell you, if you're planning on LAX and you end up in Eugene, Oregon, you missed your destination. And some of you have missed your family destination and you've missed your financial destination and you've missed your spiritual destination and it all started with compromise, carelessness, and complacency. And you're asking the question, 
probably much like Matthew, found himself asking the question, like, how did I get here? And so today as we get ready to close, I just want to just challenge you with just one other thought because we find again that Matthew, he's been in this place his, pretty much his entire for sure adult life. He bid for the right to, to run this booth. He probably started out maybe even as an employee. Eventually it's his own booth. He's been doing this for a long time. But we find that Jesus shows up and he's passing him by and he invites Matthew to leave behind his previous new normal to go embrace a brand new normal. And Matthew gets up and follows Jesus. What I want you to know is, listen to me, you're never too far gone for Jesus. You've never hit the wrong destination that Jesus can't rescue you from. You've never landed in the wrong place that Jesus can't restore you from. The good news is, I'm telling you, man, Jesus is still passing people by every minute of every day. In fact, as you're watching this at home, I'm just believing that Jesus is gonna pass you by I'm believing his presence is going to fill that room. And as you're looking at your life, wondering like, how did I get here? How did I wind up in this struggle? How did I get here in this hardship? Again, how did my marriage, how did my home, how did my habits, how did my money, how, like how did all this, how did I get here? I want you to know that Jesus is passing you by. And with his grace and with his forgiveness and with his power, if you'll follow him, he'll lead you to a brand new normal. And so I want you to make sure you come back next week and we're going to look at what that new normal looks like. But today, for all of you that are wrestling with the question that you've answered, how did I get here? Again, I want you to know, man, that don't accept it. Don't co-sign it. Don't be okay with where you're at because God has something far greater. If your new normal is abnormal, at some point we got to look at it and say, that's unacceptable. I refuse to live in that any longer. And if we'll call out to Jesus, he'll meet us where we are. And again, he'll take us to his new normal. So I want to ask you this question. If you're watching this online right now, and as I've been preaching this, like you're looking, you can clearly see the place that you've settled in. You can clearly identify the place you're at that you should have never okayed or accepted. And you're like, Pastor Steve, like, how do I find a new normal? Pastor Steve, I, I, need, to, I need a wake-up call. I need, to, I need to get out of this place. If that's you, I just want to pray for you every single one of you watching online. So I want you to bow your heads and your hearts. If you're willing to let go of what you okayed as your new normal, I want you to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the wake-up call. I thank you, Jesus, that in spite of how we got where we are, Father, again, maybe we can't even track the path. Maybe we don't even understand the trajectory. We don't even know how we ended up where we are. But Father, I know there's thousands of people watching right now, God, that they look around their life and they're asking the question, how did I get here? But Father, I pray that they don't have to ask that with no hope. I pray, God, they can know that there's hope in Jesus. And if they have okayed it as their new normal, I pray, Father, if they, they've just settled in and they've accepted that place, I pray, God, today that something would rise up on the inside of them and they would push back against the hardship. They would push back against the heartache. They'd push back against the bad habits and decide you have something greater for them. So I pray in Jesus' name, Father, rescue us from the new normal that we've accepted that we should have never okayed. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, before we tune off, I just wanna make sure everybody watching this has an opportunity for the greatest yes you'll ever make, and that's saying yes to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. See, the Bible makes it clear, man, that all of us make mistakes. All of us have messed up. See, when you talk about this word sin, it seems like a church word. 
What sin is, is not doing what we know we should do. Sin is doing the things that we know we shouldn't do. So you don't need a Bible to understand it. Every one of us watching online, if you've never been to church, every one of us, we recognize that we've sinned and we've messed up and we missed the mark. But God tells us that that sin doesn't just hurt us and doesn't just hurt other people. It ultimately hurts our relationship with God. Because God is holy, it separates us from him. And there's nothing we can do to bridge that gap. No matter how high we reach, no matter how hard we work, no matter how good we try to become, we can't fix what's broken. But the good news is that God sent his son Jesus on a rescue mission to show up and to save us. And he died on the cross for our sin and he makes forgiveness available to anybody who will ask for it. And so if you're in the place and you've never said yes to Jesus or Maybe there was a time in your life that you were serving God, but let's be honest, man, you ended up in a place that you're asking the question, how did I get here? And you know you're away from God, and today you want to recommit your life to Christ. I'm going to lead us in one more prayer, and wherever you're at, whoever you are, if you want to say yes to Jesus, I want you to pray this with me. You can use your own words and call out to him, or you can follow mine, but I want you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for coming for me, for dying on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me, be my savior, and help me from this day forward to follow you in Jesus' name. And everybody who prayed that said amen. Come on, I want you to lose your mind at home. Come on, we're believing lots of people just now prayed that for the very first time. If you happen to be one of those people who said yes just now to Jesus, can I encourage you to do one thing? Grab your smart device, grab your iPhone, and text ALIVE, A-L-I-V-E, to 97000. Alive, A-L-I-V-E, to 97000. You're going to get a text, and then you'll get one more text every day for five days, and that's it. But that information, those daily texts, it's going to help you access information that will help you in your spiritual journey and your new relationship with Jesus. So, hey, God bless you guys, man. Thanks for tuning in for week one of The New Normal. Make sure you're back for week two. And do me a favor, share this. Jump on social media and share this with your friends so they can find out what the new normal is as well. God bless you guys, man. We'll see you next week.